Hey everyone, and welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Lance Haas. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we'll be interviewing people from around the base and learning about them, as well as their keys to success. Today on the show, we are sitting down with Chief Ness from the 141st Maintenance Squadron. Chief Ness, you've helped me out. We've interacted some over the last seven years that sure. I've been here. Every time I've had an interaction with you, you've been very studious, very kind in a professional environment. Whenever you're driving the bus in those meetings and stuff, every time I've heard you talk, I've never, ever seen you rattled. I've never, you've always seemed very calm, have a plan and can just write the ship, calm the ship, manage a crew, wrangle the team and get whatever it is done, done. So I'm really thankful that I have uh, time today to sit down and chat with you and kind of peel the onion back on this. <laughs> Not to set you up too much for this, but uh, hopefully we'll get into it a little bit. And All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I probably maybe, I'm glad it comes off that way because sometimes inside it doesn't feel like it's all calm and collected. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, also offer, uh, appreciate the opportunity to come here and, and talk with you and, and kind of go over this. I think this is a cool program. Building the community of Team Fairchild is important. It's uh it's, it really is a community, and from my perspective as a guardsman, you know, I'm here for a long time. and um, So to, to get that sense of just Team Fairchild as opposed to kind of that separate guard right. piece, active duty piece, yeah, to be able to make that community is, is important. Well, that's, you know, one of the goals of this uh, is to get it out to everybody. And, you know, you are the first guardsman to, to be on here, so hopefully I can wrangle up some more of that, show some interest because... Sure. I, I do need to keep it well-rounded, and like you said, you know, the cool thing about this base is that we have that interaction, and the more that we can build on that, oh my gosh, right? The better that we can be. I mean, right? It's uh, there's a lot of resources, and and uh, especially um, with the guard having all of our our folks that come in, just our DSGs that come in uh, once a month on the weekend, they've got careers downtown that provide a ton of diverse knowledge and experience that can lend it and uh, we can utilize that for the military mission also and it, it's, it makes for a real interesting mix. That's what I've heard, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to maybe six months ago and they're explaining like you know you have business owners, you have in other parts of the state you might have professional football players, you have a mix of absolutely everything. I mean how, how does it get better than yeah, right. Um, sometimes you're, you, for instance, I don't know a lot of the times what a lot of our uh, DSGs do on the outside. I know what my guys do, but like I said, we did have a professional football player in the in the unit at one point, and uh, yeah, doctors and um, instructors, you know, teachers downtown. There's just a myriad of of talent that's available in that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a resource to tap into. Yes. Yeah something that I think we could expand. Right on. Uh, well, hopefully it will. Hopefully we'll both be around to see some of that get, get there. But before we dive too much more into that, let's uh, let's hear about you for a little bit. How did you get to be here in your life? So um, so I joined the Air Force in 85. I joined because uh, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. I, I, uh, I knew I was good with my hands. I, I like to do mechanical things. My, my dad was a contractor. I'd worked with my hands with him a lot. And believe it or not, I was three days from signing on with the army. I was going to be a artilleryman and shoot, shoot big guns. Yeah. Blow and stuff I, up. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that would be extremely cool. And then 
And then as it got closer, I, I think I, I started to think, well, how is that going to transition into you know civilian life? Because I had really no intent of being a career military person. Um, so I walked next door to the Air Force recruiter and talked to that guy, and, and he started talking about uh, maintenance career fields. And I actually went in maintenance general, which um, I would never advise anybody. But uh, <laughs> I got lucky, and, and they put me in as a crew chief. And so November of 85, I... I enlisted as an aircraft crew chief and uh, went through all the training and whatnot and stationed at Randolph Air Force Base down in San Antonio and was a flight line crew chief on T-38s Okay. Um, for four years down there and absolutely loved it. Um, I loved the job. I loved the pace on a, on a, a training base. It's just constant go, go, go. Sometimes we would, I think our flight had 24 aircraft in the flight and we, sometimes we were flying 18 of those upwards of five sorties a day per wow. aircraft. Wow. They're only flying, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, but it was constant, just turn aircraft all day long. And boy, it was busy, busy, busy. So so at the four-year mark, I intended to re-enlist, and there were some, there were some things going on in management uh, that I didn't particularly care for. And at about that point, the Air Force was starting to transition the training bases to civilian maintenance uh, contracts. So I found out that I could probably get a job working in civilian life, and really my goal was to work uh, for the airlines. So I thought, well, heck, if I get if I if I get out of the Air Force, get my AMP license, and start getting some experience with civilian companies, that probably will help me on my way to being, um, you know, working with the airlines. So I got I got on with Lockheed um, up at Reese Air Force Base, which is in Lubbock, Texas, which okay. is since long closed, and really did the exact same job I was doing at Randolph. I just changed the uniforms, and now I, was, I actually was making a little bit more money. Um, I did that for about a year and then transferred out to Mather Air Force, Air Force Base, which now has long since closed. Um, <laughs> Where's that at? So that's down in Sacramento. Okay. Um, uh, down in kind of the south side of Sacramento. And I was going to work T-43s, which is a 737. And, and that was great because it was going to help me get on with the airlines, give me some experience on big aircraft. So I got there and they said, well, we gave that slot to another guy. We're going to put you on T-37s. And so then I was like, well, okay, it gets, still gets my foot in the door. Well, we gave that slot away. You're going to work transit alert. Okay. So I worked transit alert down there and that was actually a great job. I probably worked on every airframe that, that the DOD almost had that could land it at Mather. Wow. Uh, from helicopters to, to Navy fighters to... Um, all the Air Force aircraft. Uh, it was very interesting. You know, we we were basically gas station attendants. We fill them with gas. You know, wash the windshield. And, but uh, but just to be around all those different type of aircraft was really was really pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that that lasted about a year and a half, and found out that the Mather and the company that we were with actually had six T thirty sevens up here at Fairchild, and. Uh, the big boss came to me and said, hey, I hear you're from Spokane. How would you like to get back up to Fairchild and, and work T-37s up there? And I thought, huh, yeah, I'd like to get back home. So got up here. Um, that was right about the time SAC was was going away and AMC was starting. And the program that had those T-37s, it was called the ACE program, Accelerated Co-Pilot Enhancement. Really what it was was it would get bomber and tanker uh, co-pilots in an aircraft that was cheap to fly. The T-37 was about one-tenth the expense of flying a tanker. So they would get in and fly the T-37 to get stick time, to get, you know, 
trip planning time and, and all these different mm-hmm. things that would in- accelerate their upgrade to AC. So I worked that for, boy, for about two years, I guess. And, and in the meantime, I needed a little bit of extra money and I found out about the guard. So I joined the guard and as an engine mechanic and went to Chanute Air Force Base, which has since long closed. You see in a, a theme here. Um, so hopefully that doesn't mean anything for Fairchild. I, I, don't, I don't mean to imply that. But it is interesting that as these bases close, that anyways, you spend some time at them. And then found out there was full-time, full-time uh, positions within the guard. And so I was kind of working both for a while while I was doing my training in the engine shop. I was working T-37s in the, in the engine shop. And, um, and then SAC went away and AMC came in and the ACE program went away with AMC. They decided that they didn't want to train that in that way. So, um, so that went away, but then I had the guard, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, got on as a temporary guard, full-time a temp tech is what we call it. Um, I was in a technician position, which meant I was civilian in, during the week. And the weekends that we would work, I was in a military status, but I was just a temporary civilian employee. Right. I did that for five years. Wow. 30 days at a time. <clears throat> so every 30 <laughs> days, I had to go to the, the uh, group commander and say, can you give, will you give me another 30-day extension, essentially is what it, what it took. Um, Anyways, and then 1980, so that was 91, 92, I guess I started on as temp tech to about 97 when I got actually a full-time position. How stressful was that? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, (laughs) there were other, so I was was going through a divorce at the time. I had two kids at the time. It was extremely stressful, Um, which I think probably has has built some resiliency, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. That that period of my life... uh, some bad decisions were made, and uh, and so so I had to work through that, right? And um, and yeah, it was stressful. Yeah. And we didn't know where, but I always knew that I I always knew that I could work, right? I mm-hmm. I was brought up that hard work was important, and that you do the job right the first time. Um, that you keep a good attitude. So I always felt confident that I could always get a job. I mean, if if the temporary job kind of fell fell apart, I. You know, I could go downtown. I had construction skills. And I actually, there's about six months in there that I did work construction. Okay. Um, just as a grunt. Just a laborer. Digging ditches and cleaning floors and, and picking up scrap lumber and whatever. So all of those experiences kind of really uh, make me appreciate where I'm at today. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change your perspective a little bit there. Yeah, 100%. So so then uh, uh, back to where what got me here, I guess... Uh, Joined the guard and, and just got good at jobs. And um, in about 2004, uh, I decided I wanted to move out of the engine shop to get a change. And engine management job came open and started. And I applied for that and I applied for it as an AGR. And I had no idea what that meant. That's an air air guard reservist, uh, which essentially means that you'd be full time active duty military, mm-hmm. just in the guard. It's a little confusing, but it gave me full active duty benefits uh, as opposed to just being a uh, civilian during the week and military on the weekends. So I got that job and that moved me into maintenance operations flight. And from there I went to be the mock superintendent. And then I started bouncing around in different supervisory positions. Um, Started, I guess I got promoted to master sergeant just before I went to engine management. When I became the mock superintendent, that took me to senior master sergeant. And then I went to a fab shop and 
started bouncing around maintenance all over the place and um, filling slots and getting experience. Okay. And then uh, I guess 2014 is when I got promoted to chief. And so I've been, got promoted in the MOF as chief and then moved to AMXS as AMXS superintendent. And then just recently moved to MXS as the uh, equipment branch superintendent. So I've had a pretty good stint in all of the maintenance complex. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is there, I'm trying to think, is there anything you haven't done then in the maintenance complex? Well, I haven't done any. I, there's obviously some of the, you know, specialty shops I have That's true. worked in the specialty shops, but I've overseen a lot of them. I think I've either been in or overseen every shop in the maintenance complex at this point. Wow. So, yeah. Getting back to that wealth of knowledge. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, who, who active duty, <laughs> you know, there's a lot thinner grouping to choose from that's got that sort of experience on sure. this base active duty. Yeah, and guard, because we're here for so long, um, I've been here since 91, you get the opportunity to move around a lot. You'll see, you'll see uh, pilots come down and be commanders in the maintenance group. Uh, you'll see maintenance uh, officers go over and be LROs over in supply. Um, I think our last group commander previously was the finance, you know, commander up at finance in the MSG. So the guard moves their folks around a lot and we get, uh, we get a lot of diversity because we were here for so long. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. That makes a really strong unit for sure. It does. It does. Um, a lot of experience, right? There's different experiences, different perspectives. So nice. It's good. Well, thanks for sharing that. We got some, uh, some questions to kind of rapid fire to you. Oh boy. No pressure. Again. <laughs> How do you define success? I think success, I don't think it's a number. I don't think it's a dollar amount. I think that it's um, achieving a goal. And I think that that has been what has allowed me to promote uh, to chief is that I never, I never thought I'd be chief. I, I never had aspirations to be chief. Um, I thought being master sergeant and, and being the engine shop chief would have been great. Uh, but then I, I, I made master, master sergeant and I was like, oh, okay, well, what's next, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so I just kept smaller goals in front of me, make that next rank, get that next position, whatever it takes to, um, to keep progressing it in one sense or another. Um, and I, it really wasn't about, the dollar amount. I think a lot of people are like, well, if I make a hundred thousand a year or if I make 150 or whatever the case may be, then that makes them successful. But I think it's achieving those goals because it really, it's like, um, rewarding. It builds a sense of, of self pride and, um, accomplishment. And so that's, that's, I think probably my best explanation or yeah. definition of success. It's a momentum builder too. Sure. Because it is. you can hang your hat on the, that stuff and you're like, that builds your confidence. That keeps you going forward, and maybe you get bigger goals and bigger goals. And yeah. Before you know it, you look back and you're like, "Holy crap! What did I do?" Sure. This is awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And the opportunities to help people and to uh, mentor folks it just increases as that as that increases. Right. You've got more and more experience, more and more perspective, and you can share that with folks. That's that's uh, a great thing about it. That's absolutely right for sure. So what do you think has made you successful? That per perseverance and patience to just keep doing a good job, keep a good attitude about it, uh, keep striving forward, that um, 
knowing that it, it might not be next week or, or next month or next year that you're going to make that next goal, but you just keep working at it. You just keep doing the right thing, uh, working hard, and keep your attitude positive, I think, has really been what has allowed me to, to um, be successful. Cool. Thanks. I got to okay. say also, I've had a lot of help. So <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't say I've had some very good commanders and uh, senior enlisted people that, that I didn't know they were mentoring me at the time, but they kept challenging me with, hey, can you, can you do this? Can you, could you do this? And I've never been one to say no. And I think they see that, saw that in me, and um, they just kept giving me things until it was like, okay, my, my plate's full. And then, uh, and then they would wait, and then they would give me something more. So, um, so you know, with that, I don't, they, they didn't put me in a position. They offered me an opportunity to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know it. But before, I, before it was all done, I was like, hey, look at, look at all these different things I've, I've done. I can, I'm so the confidence, right? And yeah. So yeah. I, I really think that kind of my innate hard work and good attitude and they're helping and showing me kind of the, the way or kind of what I could achieve has really got me to where I'm at now. That is so true. I mean, who's been successful on their own? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without hesitation. Nobody. That's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. So what still drives you? The people, the experience. I fell into this career field. Like I said, I came in as um, maintenance general. There isn't a day that goes by or a time that goes by an airplane flies over in the air and I don't look at it. If I hear an airplane, I'm like, where is it at? Where is it? <laughs> I, I don't know why it is, but I love airplanes. I think that they're uh, incredible machines. And so that has kind of kept me. I'm in the right career field. I love the career field. I love mechanical stuff. But the people, the yeah. people, you know, like I was saying, you know, watching people grow, um, seeing them come out of difficult times, um, helping them come out of, of those difficult situations, whether it's training or a personal issue or whatever the case may be, but just just seeing them succeed themselves um, kind of fuels me. I was asked the yeah. same question last night down at Wazoo, and, <laughs> and kind of my, my smart mouth, my initial response was, I needed a job, man. <laughs> and all the cadets laughed uh, quite a bit, but then I had to come back and say exactly the same thing I just I just told you. It's it's the people and the experience. It's it's awesome. Yeah, where else are you part of an organization that has access to multi-million dollar airplanes from almost day one and then a diverse enough group of people that if you don't find somebody that you have in common with or you know some way of being inspired by all those people, right? It's probably you at that point. If you can't right. get inspired by all of that, yeah, one hundred percent, I agree. So, what do you think the greatest lesson that you've learned is? So, probably the greatest lesson is is be humble and listen. I think a lot of times, particularly when you when you make rank, you, there's an opportunity to get um, get a big head, if you will. So, just learning that the folks that you work for. And I mean the folks below below you, your airmen that you that you work for because you're there to make sure they have what they need. When they're talking to you and they're saying that we need this or we need that, um, it's that listening piece. Sit down and listen, and don't and and then the ego part of it is don't be so um, so think that you're so good that you don't need to listen, right? So it kind of goes hand in hand. But those are probably some some learning pieces that I've had. Um, 
or not. So it's, I don't want to make it sound like there's been a lot of that, but I think those are probably the most important ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other things that I've that I've learned, but um, those are probably the most important pieces. That's huge. Uh, I was talking to Will Saltis yesterday, mm-hmm. like I told you, and that humility. That's exactly what he was saying too. You know, just that humility piece and. That's been a reoccurring theme people I've been talking to is you don't know it all. And the, it seems like the higher, you know, I remember when I was 18, 19, I, man, you couldn't tell me something I didn't already know. And then the more experience he got, the littler that was. I think there's a song about that too, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the boy, if I could have known then what I know now. or um, <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, when you get up in ranks, it's hard enough for the younger folks to, um, to come and talk to you because, because, oh boy, they see all these stripes on your sleeve. But if you give off that sense of, um, humbleness and, and it's more inviting for them, you want to make your, your young folks feel comfortable talking to you because a lot of times they've got the most important things to say. Yeah. They got their pulse on it for sure. Yep. Yep. Okay. What are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? I'm learning how to be an empty nester at home. Mm. Which is uh, odd because four kids we've raised, um, and so probably well since '89 I've had kids in the house. So that's interesting. What I'm learning that way, um, professionally, I think I'm just continuing to learn how to interact with folks and and uh, maybe explain points of view from different perspectives, helping gotcha. people get get ideas across. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. What have you read that we should read? So, so I I went to a AMCA four conference a couple of years ago, and uh, General Reno retired uh, was our keynote speaker, and he he got up in front of us and he told us some pretty pretty good stories about about how he interacted with people in his career, and he he wrote a book. I think it's the ten the ten tips on leadership. Okay, if I remember right. Anyways. I'd read that a couple. Uh, I read that when I got back from the conference because he had mentioned it at, uh, at the conference. It, it was out there, and then in preparation for going down to Wazoo last night, I read it again, and um, I, I, it's a strong book. I going into it, I didn't really know General Reno. Um, I knew that he was instrumental in changing some of the things in maintenance. He kind of was the developer of the MSEP program, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that was positive and negative for a lot of folks. <laughs> so there was a little bit of um, trepidation, I guess, prior to meeting him. But but when I listened to him talk and listened to how he interacted with folks and and the the humble leadership that he that he kind of portrayed, uh, I was impressed. So so that was a good book for okay. me to read. So I was you know to throw out. I'm not a big reader. Okay. I, I, okay. Always, I always joke that I don't know how to read, but um, <laughs> actually I do. And so that was one of the books that I liked that I've read. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. What advice would you give the 19-year-old version of you? <laughs> <laughs> if we could go back um, in time, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I would say, and, and I told last night again to the, to the cadets down at, at the college, um, be humble. Listen, God gave you two ears and one mouth, use them proportionately. Uh, meaning listen twice as much as you talk. Um, at 19, I was arrogant. I thought I knew it all kind of much like you'd, you'd said, you couldn't tell me anything I didn't already know. But, uh, 
I think if, if I'd go back, I think to, to just listen and realize that, um, that there's people out there that have way more experience and they will be more than willing to teach you if you ask questions, have a good attitude and stay humble. I love it. What motivates you? And you kind of already, that's kind of the same as drive, but in case it's something different, I put it in there. Um, yeah, I think it really probably is about the same as drive. It, it um, Getting up, come to work every day, I'm motiva- motivated just just to do the job, right? Just to, to be there. And and I tell our younger folks as, um, as they're coming up, not only in age, but in rank, that it's about, so you're young and you've got a family to feed and you've got a household to, to build and you know you're starting your life and what do you need you need money right you need a job and so at that point kind of the air force is providing you with with those needs and you're and you're working right you're mm-hmm. doing what you need to do but at some point that table kind of turns and and no longer do you are you as in need of money and you're able to you're more secure you're able to start giving back right and you've got the experience and the knowledge and the and the hopefully the wisdom um, through through the ages that you or through the age that you've gained to be able to give back. So I think that's part of what motivates me to get up every day is is that giving back because I've had an awesome career. Uh, I've seen and done things that a lot of people don't ever get the opportunity to do, and there's an opportunity to give some of that back to the folks, right? And so there's a motivator. Yeah, that's. I was listening to Jocko podcast. If you've ever heard of that guy, he's a, was a former Navy SEAL and it was the same thing of, you know, if people only knew how much fun (laughs) you can have, I'm not saying it's not always, you know, there's definitely difficult stuff that we do, but what the taxpayer allows us to do, if you reframe it that way, you know, it's not them thanking us for our service. We should be thanking them for letting me do that because like you said, I know I've got to see a lot of cool stuff that yep. how the heck would I have ever seen it without this opportunity? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's things and people I've met and things that I've seen in places I've been that there's no way I would have gone on my own. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So what are three takeaways that we can leave the listener with from your perspective? So three takeaways, like life lessons. Is that what Whatever three things that you want to summarize or want them to think about for the next while. <laughs> so I think, um, I think I've already said a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Humble, listen. Another one would be take care of each other. Get to know each other. Uh, so whether you're, whether you're an airman, whether you're a supervisor, a senior NCO, an officer, get to know the people around you. And I don't mean like best friends, but be able to tell when, when they're off. When there's a down, when they're when they're having a bad day, because not only does that give you the opportunity to to help them, but it also lets you know or lets them know that you care. And and as much of a big machine that that the Air Force is, um, and the processes we have, the one thing that's a constant is, is we're all we're still humans, right? And we need that that interaction. We need to know that people truly you know care about us. Um, so yeah, I'd say that would be a, a second takeaway is, is get to know your people and, and take care of them. Uh, hold them to standards because people need to be held to standards. They want to know that what they did today, a lot was expected of them and they accomplished it. 
Um, and if, and if yeah. you don't have high standards, then people go, well, apparently nobody really cares, so that doesn't matter. And it leads to them, you know, it just leads to a poor morale kind of a situation. And the third thing I think is work hard and have a good attitude. I can train just about anybody to turn a wrench, but I can't train anybody to have a, a good attitude and to be motivated. Um, so be motivated to work hard, do your best, and and keep a positive attitude, I think, is, is probably the third piece. I love it. Piece. I love it. <laughs> That's, appreciate that. Appreciate that. So before we wrap up, is there any last attacks, any any last things that we didn't cover that you'd like to add in? I don't. I, I don't think I have anything specific, but uh, but I think that this podcast is awesome. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and answer the questions and kind of get my perspective out there. Yeah. Uh, I by far I'm not the smartest man in the world. I think I've got quite a bit of experience and can you know give little nuggets of of uh, wisdom here and there. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well. Thank you for the time, Chief Ness. You're awesome. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. So that's it. This is uh, the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. Again, I'm your host, Master Sergeant Lance Haas. If you have a show idea or anybody that you would like to hear from on this show, please contact us at refuelteamfairchild at gmail.com.